Taxi's Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Bridge Bank. Be safe. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, Amazon's next big acquisition and hackers target coronavirus research. But first, Twitter versus Trump versus Twitter. So earlier this morning, President Trump threatened to, quote, close down Twitter after the company put a fact check on two of his tweets claiming that mail-in election ballots will be fraudulent. This was just 24 hours after Twitter was under fire from critics of President Trump for refusing to take down his tweets that baselessly claimed cable TV host Joe Scarborough was once involved in the death of an intern. Despite the heartbreaking pleadings of that intern's widower, which were first published yesterday by the New York Times' Kara Swisher. So some things to know. First, the fact check is Twitter's first ever effort to edit anything Trump has ever tweeted and is based on its previously announced policy about tweeting misinformation around elections. And to be clear, Trump was indeed wrong in his tweets. Plenty of states already use mail-in balloting without major incident, including Republican-led states like Florida. Two, Twitter has not removed the tweets about Scarborough and the intern. And again, for accuracy, a state medical examiner found that Lori Klesidis died from an undiagnosed cardiac condition that resulted in her passing out and tragically hitting her head on an office desk. And again, the family accepts those results. Three, the big picture here is that Trump needs Twitter. He's as much as said so when he talks about how he tweets because it lets him bypass the mainstream media, bringing his voice directly to voters. But Twitter also provides Trump a useful foil. Silicon Valley elites who are allegedly trying to silence conservatives, despite the inherent contradiction of using Twitter to complain about being silenced by Twitter. The bottom line, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey must be feeling whiplash this morning, criticized yesterday for being a Trump accomplice and today for being a Trump enemy. That's likely why so far he's refrained from tweeting about any of it at all. In 20 seconds, we'll go deeper with the New York Times' Kara Swisher. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, BridgeBank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem and include creative credit solutions, robust treasury and cash management capabilities, and a suite of international banking products. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be safe, venture wisely. We're joined now by Kara Swisher. Let's start with yesterday, which was an interesting day. Your piece publishes talking about Trump's conspiracy theories and calling on Twitter and Jack to do something. Twitter comes out with a very kind of amorphous, eh, we're going to work and try to do something. And then later in the day, they put this fact check on a totally unrelated tweet. From your perspective, were those two things connected and related or coincidence? No, it's not a coincidence at all. I think they felt a lot of pressure over the weekend over this letter we wrote about in the Times. And I think they were already working on these issues and didn't have anything just pushing them. As you know, Twitter is super slow to do anything. We're still waiting for an edit button 10 years down the line. And so I think they felt enormous amounts of pressure and they couldn't really act on the tweets that I wrote about, but they did have policies in place about misinformation around elections and they had articulated and announced those already. And so that's what they were doing. And they found a tweet that they could mark and they wanted to make a sign that they were doing it. You know, I talked about this idea of labeling and fact-checking in my uh, column and I felt it was a difficult job to do and especially for Twitter to do this and I thought it was onerous, but at the same time making an example of someone does create a certain amount of discussion about it, and it does put people on notice. You know Jack. Do you have any insight or thoughts kind of on how he actually kind of views all this and kind of what he's thinking? And even just the whiplash he's probably feeling. He wakes up yesterday getting criticized for not deleting Trump's tweets on the conspiracy theory. He wakes up this morning with Trump threatening to shut down Twitter angry over the fact check. 
First of all, Trump can't do that. They went through that ridiculous circus before. If you remember, Trump has done this before. And so the first time it was hair on fire inside Twitter. Oh my God, the president's name. There's now like everybody else with his tweets, as you remember, he used to tweet at corporations. It's lost its power on them and everybody else. I think they're like, okay, sure, go ahead, see what you can do. And there's actually not a lot he can do. He can make a lot of trouble, but I think he himself is in political trouble right now. And so it's going to be very hard for him to do that. It's fine for them to, you know, it's obviously now become a campaign thing. They're going to make a big deal of the right wing being squelched by Twitter. You saw Brad Parscale do that. But, you know, I think with Jack, of the many people I cover, he is one of the more thoughtful and certainly he's contemplative. You know, he does spend a lot of time thinking. Is he almost too thoughtful for this moment? I think so. I think he really is trying to find the perfect solution. And there is no perfect is the enemy of the good kind of expression. That's sort of cliche, but it's actually true here. And so he tends to, I think it's very frustrating for people within Twitter too. A lot of people wanted this to happen. I can't tell you how many emails and communications I get from people inside Twitter, not emails, actually, they do it different ways, saying, keep going, keep going, because it adds pressure to them and the media adds pressure to it. And so do just anybody speaking out about it, including on Twitter. And so I think there's no good solution here. And because of the way this platform has been built and the way all social media platforms have been built, this is what happens. And they've let Trump go on for so long. They should have done something right away. That's what would have fixed this early on. If they had sort of put some things in place, it wouldn't have been quite this firestorm so close to the election and in the middle of a pandemic. I'd say he's very thoughtful. If you ever talked with him, it goes on for a while. Obviously, ultimately, Jack's the CEO. So ultimately, he's the one who makes final decisions. But that said, Trump is a kind of power user number one when it comes to the platform. Is he the one truly going to make the decisions, you know, tweet by tweet with Trump? Or has he legitimately delegated that out? No, I think they do. I think these rise right to the top. Vijagade, who I think is on a little bit of a leave right now, she's very important. She's the chief counsel. You know, a lot of people there are really important. And he takes a lot of counsel. That is one thing I think he does. And he doesn't have the kind of control that Mark Zuckerberg has. You know, Mark has the final decision-making power. Absolutely. Jack does not have this. But I do think his board is supportive of him. And, you know, that company has gone through a lot of agony with leadership. As you know, it goes back and forth. It's really the most emotional company. I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just, it's always a sort of a telenovela over there for many years. And it feels like he has the support and he just obviously got that money from Silver Lake, which you wrote about. And so he has the support of what's going on. It's just an almost impossible situation to deal with, especially since Trump keeps abusing the system. The cynical question, of course, which is that social networks rely on engagement. That is the thing that kind of drives the gravy train. Ultimately, is it fair to say that even today with Trump calling for the service to be shut down and investigation, et cetera, that Trump is good for Twitter? Or do you think that there's a tipping point where the engagement no longer matters as much as call it the quality or of the conversation or something like that? I don't think it helps at all. You know, if you think of things like a store, it's a really noisy, awful store and he makes it worth. One thing that's great about what's been going on recently with everybody home and online is there's so much creativity unleashed. Look at the comedy that's coming off of Twitter right now. Look at all the really interesting discussions. But unfortunately, a lot of that is happening on TikTok and then put on Twitter. And so look at TikTok. You can create a service that's really fun to use and interesting. And I do think the big mashup of the press, the media, politicians, screaming activists, the MAGA 
at people on Twitter creates a really unpleasant experience, especially for advertisers and in a lot of ways for anyone who's not a, you know, a really active user. And I don't think it's good for business. I think they've been less innovative. I think they haven't added things that have, have made others grow like TikTok is a good example and Instagram is another good example. And even Snapchat's doing really well recently. So they've missed a lot of turns because of this, I think. We get this fact check of Trump's tweet late last night. Your expectation that we will see more of those going forward, that Twitter thinks this has worked and they'll keep doing it? Or is that going to be a one-off? No, I think they're going to keep doing it. They're going to see how this one works. I think they would like to put something on the Lori Closetus stuff. I think they would like to link to stories. There was a myriad of stories saying that Trump's appalling tweets are wrong. Here's the one thing. Everyone's like, they're not going to be able to fact check everyone. No, they're not. They're absolutely not. They're going to fact check some people. They're going to have to be satisfied with doing something. That means they're going to attract enormous amounts of criticism. And they tried to get out of criticism, like the political advertising. They've tried their hardest to stay away from all this stuff. Unfortunately, they can't and they have to deal with it. And I really do feel for them. And I know people hate it when I say he has a terrible job, which is to control an uncontrollable, tantrum-prone, shameless baby. <laughs> I, you know, and, he, and they've given him sugar for years. And now we've got a problem. And so good luck. Good luck with this. But I'm glad they made this first step. I'm not going to criticize that too heavily, but I hope they do more. Kara Swisher, who was actually one of Twitter's first recommended follows a long, long time ago at Kara Swisher. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. My final two right after this. The Equity Fund Resource Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, BridgeBank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners, including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be safe, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Amazon, which reportedly is in advanced talks to buy a self-driving company called Zooks. So three things to know. First, Zooks is not about incremental self-driving technology, like making a slightly better sensor. Instead, it has been trying to make the entire car from scratch with the goal of developing a fleet of robo-taxis. Two, it's highly unlikely that Amazon has any interest in owning a fleet of robo-taxis, but it certainly does have interest in improving its last mile delivery technology. Three, this deal like Facebook's recent one for Giphy, reflects how big tech giants are not letting federal antitrust investigations impede their acquisition activities. And finally today, the latest wave of cyber hacking is targeting what might be the world's most valuable asset right now, COVID-19 medical research. That's the subject of a recent FBI bulletin, which claims that, quote, nation state cyber actors are targeting COVID-19 related research as many foreign governments seek to accelerate their own R&D processes and clinical trials, end quote. It adds that suspected foreign government hackers have compromised systems at a healthcare related company and at a U.S. research entity within the last couple of months without providing details. The country that wins the vaccine race, at least in theory, is the country that will have leverage over the rest of the world. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national grape popsicle day. No, not orange ones or cherry ones, just grape ones. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.